So hey, let's get straight into it today. Take out your notes you should have got on the way in the door. And man, we are excited to be uh, doing faith and doubt. Turn to your neighbor and say faith. faith. Now look back at him and say doubt. Man, let's bring faith to works and, and put doubt to death, all right? So let's do that today. We are uh, in this series, and so we want to jump straight into two scriptures that we have for you today um, out of the gate. The first one is Hebrews 11, 1, um, and it says that, Now faith is the confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not See, Some translations say faith is the substance of things hoped for with the evidence of things not yet seen. And so we put our faith to work, believing that what we have yet to see will come to pass in our life. And so there's two different approaches to faith. There's our eternal hope, which is our faith in Jesus Christ and we did on the cross. And then there's the, our, our faith, our hope for what we're expecting God to do today. And I don't know about you, some of you guys, but I have some things that I'm hoping God is going to do today. Amen. Some of y'all know what I'm talking about. So uh, we're going to get into that. The next one is Isaiah 40, 31. Um, and it says, but those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. Everyone say strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. Come on, somebody. Man, I got that walking and not being faint part, but that run and not growing weary part. <laughs> Some of y'all know what I'm talking about. Anyway, so, um, hey, Running still, you know, that's a lot of work for me. Anyway, so, but we want to get straight into it. And so I want to give you kind of an overview of some of the texts that we're going to be in um, as far as what we're doing today. And so there's a story in the Bible. And if you have your Bibles, you can uh, look at um, Mark chapter six. They don't, they're not going to put it on the screen yet, but Mark six. And, and so the overview of it is this. So uh, Jesus comes to a point with his disciples. And so he brings them uh, to a certain place and, and he sends them out, right? So Jesus comes to him and he just got done feeding the 5,000. If some of you know where that is, if you don't, don't worry, we're going to talk about it in a second. Um, but the, the short of it is that Jesus, uh, there was a crowd around Jesus like, Hey, we need to feed them because they're hungry. And so they, some dude pops up with some, a boy pops up with a couple fish and some bread and he feeds 5,000 people with just this little bit and performs a great miracle in that moment. That is not what we're necessarily talking about today. But after that, Jesus tells the disciples, go get in a boat and go out on the water, go to the other side. So the disciples go and Jesus goes up on a mountain to pray. And when he gets up on top of the hill and he's praying, a storm kind of happens. The waters get really, really rough and, and the disciples and all the work, they're in the boat and they're fighting against the waves and all of those things. And then Jesus comes out to them. Um, and so in that, he starts walking uh, on the water. So he's walking out to them. Uh, and when he does that, uh, he performs another great miracle by calming the seas. And, and uh, what, the thing is, I wanted to give you an overview. We're gonna hit certain key scriptures along the way as we take this little journey today. Um, and so we want to point those out to you as we move forward. All right. But what I want to talk to you about today is God's plan. Turn to your neighbor and say God's plan. That's right. God has a plan, right? And so even in your first fill in the blank, we want to give it to you right now. And that what we want you to understand and what you're going through right now is that your journey is God's plan. I mean, sometimes we, we tend to think that, you know, God needs this backup plan or like we, we done messed things up so bad that God has to bring in a plan B. You know, we done, we've done gotten away from every, you know, like I, God, I'd, you're going to just start over with my life because there's nothing you can do with it. And let me tell you something. There is no depth too deep, nor no width too wide, nor no height too high, nor no distance too far that you have gone that God cannot and will not take your story and do something amazing 
with it in the lives and the testimony of other people that are watching you. God's journey or your journey is God's plan for your life. And he's going to use it to bring himself glory, no matter all the chaos that you've been through. And some of us got a long list of chaos on our, you know what I'm talking about? So life has brought a many a lemons and we have made a many a jars a lemonade or at least tried to, right? So, but in Mark 6, I want you to see this. Mark 6, 45 and 46 says, immediately he made his disciples get into the boat. Just what we were talking about, right? Get into the boat and go before him to the other side, to Bethsaida. While he dismissed the crowd and after he had taken leave of them, he went up to the mountain to pray, just like we were talking about, right? But the reason that I want you to understand this, now knowing what's coming in the story. So we know that the the disciples are gonna experience a storm. We know that there's gonna be something that's gonna happen in the water where they're gonna have to fight and they're gonna have to struggle. What I want you to understand is we know that God is omniscient. We know that he knows everything. Like he, he is aware of everything that's going on in your life. And Jesus was aware of what was about to take place to the disciples, yet he sent them out in the boat anyway. And the first thing that I want you guys to understand in your journey being part of God's plan is the fact that you are in troubled waters in life right now has not caught God off guard. He sent you into those waters on purpose. Now that does two things to our emotions. Number one, it's incredibly encouraging because we know that God, okay, yeah, he sent me out here. Then, then the moment hits where you're like, wait, wait, wait a second. God, <laughs> I thought you wouldn't put more on me than we can bear. Well, well, so <laughs> some of y'all finding out there's more in you than this author was, you know what I'm saying? So, but so uh, the reason I want you to see the scripture is to understand Jesus sent them into the waters that would become troubled. They didn't happen to find themselves in the water that had become troubled. And Jesus is sending you into places in your life and things are happening that you don't understand. And what we can't do is start to think that God forgot about us in the journey. Y'all know what I'm talking about? The second thing that we want you to understand is that where you struggle, God has domain. He has power. He has authority in the areas that you are struggling Uh, and in your life, this is important. Well, let's just go to Mark six and it'll explain it better. And he saw that they were making headway painfully, right? So they were, they were, they were moving. They were, they were making headway. They were getting to the other side, but they were doing it painfully. Any of us trying to get through something in life and we, we, we're getting there, but some of y'all know what I'm talking about. Like the struggle is real getting to the other side of it. That's what was happening. They were, they, they were making headway painfully for the wind was against them. And about the fourth watch of the night, he came to them walking on the sea. And what I want to explain to you through this is that God literally walks on your troubled waters. Like whatever you're going through in life right now, whatever you're doubting, whatever circumstances are coming against you, wherever you're hurting, wherever you're, you're finding yourself confused and you don't know what's going on and you're not sure what the next step is. And no matter how troubled those waters get around you, it's still no match for the peace of Jesus and that God will carry you through your troubled waters. And you say, pastor, that's very, that's really easy for you to say. You're not in my boat. You know what I mean? Let me tell you folks. This message, you know, go figure, pastor divvies this one out to me. Y'all know what I'm talking about? Like, here, you preach on faith and doubt. Because well, I got to, my wife, myself, if, you're, if this is your first time with us, you know, my son um, has a brain disease. And man, you talk about having to walk in some faith and kill some doubt every day. 
I'm living it. Folks, so I'm not going to tell you I got this mastered, but one thing I have done is surrendered the fact that Jesus can walk on my troubled waters. Y'all know what I'm talking about? And I want, I want you guys to grab a hold of the fact that Jesus can walk on your troubled waters. Uh, you know, one of the things we were, uh, a group of us went to an escape room yesterday. Y'all know what an escape room is? Or they lock you in a room with a bunch of people that you hope are really good friends because you can be stuck there for hours. So you better be good friends. You know what I'm talking about? And uh, one of the things that I realized is that I realized in that moment that we had a lot of chiefs and not a lot of Indians in the room. Y'all know what I'm talking about? So it comes down to like the last couple minutes. We're trying to get out. And one of our friends, Ashley, she, she was like, I, this code has to mean something. And we were like, yeah, like I thought someone put that in already. And she was like, oh no, I said it out loud, but no one did anything. I was like, what? You know, so I like frantically go over, and of course it did mean something. What, the, what, what was happening? Like there were too many people trying to be, have too much domain and there wasn't, there wasn't, no one was surrendering to one person. Y'all know what I'm talking about? And when we're in a life, if we're not surrendering to the one that has control, then all we're going to do is keep finding ourselves running in circles and never getting anything figured out. Anyways, that's good. I don't know what y'all can do with it, but that's good. So, so he walks on our troubled waters. The next thing I want you to understand is that chaos changes our view of God. Chaos changes our view of God. I'm reminded of Daniel 3, the story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, three Hebrew boys that, um, for those of you that don't know the story, the short of it is that uh, King Nebuchadnezzar came to them. He said, you have to bow down to this statue. And uh, they were like, uh, no, um, our God is God. We don't bow down to any statue. And he said, if you don't bow down to the statue, I'm going to throw you in the fire. And it was like, Pfft throw us in the fire. Actually, I don't know if that's how that went down. I have a feeling they were very scared in that moment, but um, I like to read it as if they were very bold. But you know, like in my, for those of you that are new, when I read the Bible, I really like to have fun with it. So I like to think that they were all sitting around like, man, king, you know, God's going to take care of us. And then they got by themselves. They're like, hey, you really think like God's going to take care of us, right? Like this is, like he's going, we're going to be fine, right? I don't know how that really went down. But that's how I picture it. Anyway, so um, they get, th- they do, they get thrown in the fire. But here's, here's what I want you to grab a hold of with this story is that when they get thrown into the fire, the king sitting on the throne looks into the fire and he's like, hey, um, how many did we throw in that fire? Like he can't count to three. How many did he th- we throw in that fire? And he goes, and the guards are like, we threw three in there. He's like, but I see four. And the fourth one looks like the son of God. And here's what I want you to understand. That when you're sitting on the throne, it's a lot easier to see the image of God. It's the same analogy I'll give you. How many of you got some friends that go through some stuff, right? And when you're not going through anything, what is your suggestion to them? Just trust God. God will take care of it. I see God all over your situation. Y'all know what I'm talking about? I just see God. He's just going to work through your situation. Everything's going to be fine. Yeah, you're saying that because you're sitting on a throne right now. You ain't got no problems in your life. Like, I got to trust God right now, right? You can see God. I can't see nothing. Like, I'm just wandering in the dark. That's how we feel when we're in that fire, right? Or when our boat is in troubled water. So what happened is the king was able to see Jesus, but the boys would wander around the fire. What happens in the boat is just amazing because when we're understanding that chaos changes our view of God is that Mark 6, 49 through 50 says it right here. Check it out. But when they saw him walking on the sea, they thought it was a ghost. 
Because the storm exaggerated their view of God. And in life, you are going through circumstances right now. We are going through circumstances right now where we're trying to see God, but the circumstances have us so distracted that we can't see a proper view of who God is. The analogy I use, it's like, Pastor, I know Pastor well, man. We grew, you know, I grew up with him because I'm his son. So for those of you that don't know, like, spoiler alert. Uh, so I've known him for 30 years because I'm 30. So, um, but if I were to see pastor's silhouette somewhere, right? Like if, I, like if a shadow, if his shadow was shining on the wall, I would know it's him. Even just based on the Raiders helmet. You know what I'm saying? Like I would, I would be able to, I could look at his silhouette. I could see, I know exactly who that is, right? Same with my wife. If I looked at the silhouette of my wife, I'd be like, mm, I know exactly who that is. Sorry. I know exactly who that is. Yeah, I better start taking these kids to kids' church. Anyway, so. I would say, I know exactly who that is. Why? Because I spend time with them. Like, I see my dad almost every day. I see my wife every day. Like, there's no wondering who it is when I see the person that I know. And these disciples had just spent time with Jesus. They had just spent days, weeks, months. They had just spent all this time with Jesus. Yet when the circumstances got bad enough, they lost the ability to see God. And we can't allow our circumstances to change how we view God because God is still present even in our chaos. And that matters, folks. And then it says that they cried out for they all saw him and were terrified. Now, I just love the fact that Jesus was just doing something that he thought was no big deal. Man, hold on, man, let me walk on this water. You know, like, so just walks out. So, but... He gets out to them, and this is the next point for your fill in the blanks. What happens in your life, in your storms, is that the storm stops when God's in control of the boat. Like when, when, when you finally surrender, why? I mean, when we're going through problems, like we have all these things happening in our life, and, and so the storm stops. But here's what we want you to understand is that when you have the time in your life when you're confused and when your anxiety is kicking in and you can't figure out, man, I don't even know how God's gonna do this. Like, what is God gonna do? How is he gonna, how is he gonna, what? I mean, no, 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 no. Like, he, the storm will stop when God's in control of the boat. But here's what I want you to understand. Just because the storm stopped doesn't mean the danger's gone. Like, every opportunity for those waves to pick back up is still there because they're still in the boat. In other words, just because God Calm the storm doesn't mean he took you out of the boat. And a lot of times in life, we're expecting God to completely remove us from our circumstances. But God didn't take them out of the water. He just brought peace to the water. Some of y'all are going to get that in a second. Like, some of you are wanting God to take you out of the fire, but he just wants to get in the fire with you. Like some of you want God to take your boat out of the water, but he just wants to get in the boat with you. God has a plan and he's going to finish his plan, but he'll bring peace to the storm while he's working it out. Mark 6, 50 through 51 says, but immediately he spoke to them and said, take heart. It is I do not be afraid. And he got into the boat with them and the wind ceased and they were utterly astounded. 
They were utterly, like they were just shocked. And I think this is important. Well, let's, I want, I want to show you something because what we see is that God was trying to accomplish something through this time. Like God, was, God had a goal. Jesus had, was trying to teach the disciples something. And oftentimes in life, we find ourselves trying to push through something and we don't understand why we're in the middle of something. And God wants to show us something so very important with what we're going through in life. Mark 6, 52, I want you to check this out. This is a verse actually in the story that most people miss, but when you miss it, you've missed the whole story. Like you've missed, if you don't get this, you miss the point. How many of us ever heard stories of Jesus walking on water, right? I wanna show you something that you may not have ever noticed before. For they did not understand about the loaves, right? So I wanna take you back to a couple things. One, so they didn't understand about the loaves. Jesus had just fed the 5,000, right? The loaves and the fish. He had just fed the 5,000. I wanna take you back to Mark 4. In Mark chapter four, what happens? Jesus and the disciples are once again on a boat. You can tell they didn't have Netflix because these dudes are always on boats and water, right? They're just fishing and sailing. So they... Jesus is on the boat with him and another storm happens, right? So this storm comes against the boat and they think they're gonna die. Like they're, and what is Jesus doing? Sleeping in the storm. Now, here's one, like again, if you're new, you guys are gonna get used to how I read the Bible because I think it's a lot more fun. But I can imagine one of the disciples comes to Jesus and he's like, Jesus, you gotta wake up. Like, we're all about to die. This storm is crazy out here. We're all gonna die. Like, there's no hope. And Jesus, again, like, how, how do any of us feel when we get woke up from our nap, right? Like, man. <laughs> it doesn't say this in the text, but I just like this picture. Jesus was like, <sighs> so he wakes up from his nap, comes up. And what did he say? Peace be still, calms the storm, right? But it says it like when I read it, when, if, if I just read through it, it's like he said, peace be still in the storm, calm. But I like to think Jesus is like, peace be still. See, I told y'all, I'm going back to sleep. Don't wake me up again. No, I'm just kidding. Like, <laughs> that's how I like to picture Jesus. Like he was just like, man, I'm never gonna teach y'all anything. I'm going back to bed. Um, but no, he, in Mark 4, he comes in, he calms the storm, right? So that's in Mark 4. Then in Mark 6, the, the earlier in Mark 6, he feeds the 5,000. But here's what I want you to understand because this matters so much with what he was trying to teach the disciples. In Mark chapter 4, they had their safety threatened and Jesus had to teach them, I'm in control of your safety. And then earlier in Mark chapter 6, their needs were threatened because the people were hungry and they didn't have a way to feed them. Matter of fact, one of the disciples was like, just send them to the city to get fed. And Jesus is like, I don't need to send them anywhere. I'll feed them. In other words, Jesus is saying, you don't have to find safety someone else. I'm your safety. You don't have to find someone else to help your needs. I'll help your needs. And then he sends them out on the water to try to teach them something again, that you don't need to look anywhere else because even when you can't find me, I'll walk on the waters and I'll find you. In other words, you guys, yeah, absolutely. When we're looking through our faith and we can't find where, God, like, God, what are you doing? What are you doing? You have to remember that he already solved the safety. He already solved the need. Like, and God is trying to come into our world and show us that, listen, I already, everything you've gone through in life is already proof of what I'll bring you through this time. 
Like I, I, I saved you on the water last time. I fed the 5,000 last time. <clears throat> and now I done saved you. Like I've, sa- I've proved to you over time that I won't let you down. Why do you keep coming against me thinking that you're always gonna have struggles? Every time, the last time you got a pink slip or the last time you got fired, I provided another job. The last time your car broke down, I, gave, I made a way that you could make it to work. The last time one of your kids went crazy, I helped you get you out of the, every time that you've gone through something, I've gotten you out of it. Stop thinking that I'm going to fail you this time. But we got to put our faith back where it belongs because what we tend to do is get so caught up in our own life that we start to think that we need someone else to be in control. I'm reminding of the story of the Titanic. I'm a big history guy. Um, I, like, I like stories like the Titanic, some of those things. And for the, most of you know that story. If you don't, then um, read a book. I don't know. So, um, but <laughs> Google it. No. Uh, but in the story of the Titanic, um, they said three things. Because one of the things that they've asked the question since, uh, since the Titanic sank, they've asked this question of like, all right, how did this huge ship with all of the best technology of its day, including like the best people of its day manning the ship, how did still they hit an iceberg and sink a ship that they thought was unsinkable? Like that's been the question that everyone has asked since it happened. Um, and so I was reading or I was watching a movie. It was a, uh, a deal where a guy had dedicated the last half of his career trying to figure out what happened. And they answered, it, they answered it with three points. So the first thing that they think was responsible was the temperature. Um, and this matters, I promise it matters, so just stay with me. First thing is the temperature. And they said that when hot air and cold air start to switch places or they start to separate, um, you start to see a mirage. Anyone ever been like on the highway or seen in the desert how um, what, like what you're looking at, the bottom of the horizon is a reflection of what's on the top, right? We've all seen that, right? Driving down the highway or whatever. And what they were saying, how that happens is when the hot air starts to rise and the cold air starts to settle in, it starts to create uh, visual waves that create a mirage, that creates a reflection. And there was a boat that wasn't too far from the Titanic when it first when it first hit the or when yeah when it first hit the iceberg, and what happened is the temperature created a mirage that was reflecting the top of the ship and the bottom of the ship, and it caused it to look like a working boat, not the Titanic. And so they saw that and they were like, oh, that's not the, it can't be the Titanic. Look at it; it's got this, this, and this. Second thing that happened is that the water was too calm. Usually when you have icebergs and some of those things, the water would be choppy and all the waves would be crashing. And so you would see the, the white of the wave crashing into the iceberg. And because of that, they would have saw it ha- coming a long way off, but the water was perfectly still. It was too calm and they couldn't see it. The third thing is that the guy that was running the Morse code and delivering the messages for the Titanic had been in communication with someone on another boat not too far off. And that guy just started asking questions and was telling stories via Morse code to the guy that was listening. And so he actually took his headphones off and put them on the table and wasn't receiving messages, he was only sending them. And because of that, it was too much chatter in his ears and he took his headphones off and put them down and he did not hear the ice warnings that were coming in and they crashed. The reason that I think that matters is this. In life, many of us are having a hard time with faith and doubt because we've crashed too many times. And I think it boils down to the same answers. 
The first is temperature. All of us are built to have a burning desire to know God. The problem is things get comfortable and we go from really hot burning for God to being complacent with what life is right now. And it starts to create mirages in our life to where we think we're fine, but we're not seeing life the way it's actually coming at us. The second thing is that life is too calm. In other words, we go through seasons where there's just nothing wrong. And those seasons you would think would be really good. The problem is it causes us to not rely on God in the good times the way we do in the bad times. How many of us are guilty of maybe not praying as much as we should or not giving God as much time as he deserves until something bad happens, right? Then we're front rowing it for four weeks. God fixed my problem. God fixed my problem. God, oh, he fixed my problem. Everything's calm again and we're out. And then the last part is the chatter. Some of us have too many people speaking things into our ears that we shouldn't have going on. And we can't hear what God's trying to communicate to us in our storms of life because we've taken the headphones and we've put them aside. We can't hear God because people are talking too much. And God oftentimes is trying to give us warning or just direction. God's trying to say, hey, I know you're having trouble with your faith right now. I know that you're doubting me. You need to go a little to the left and I'll show you where I'm at. You need to go a little to the right and you'll see something that you hadn't seen before. The problem is we got too much noise in our ears and we're not spending enough time praying to the one that can guide us. I got three quotes for you, and I think they're, they're the last kind of last thing that I want to give you today, talking about faith. Because at the end of the day, what we have to do is just surrender to the fact that God is in control of our lives. And sometimes, man, we try to push our career or our ideas of what we want in life. Can I tell you something, folks? Our life here is so short that there is an eternity that awaits us. Now, I'm not the guy saying, you know, sell your house, sell your car, don't cut your hair anymore and only wear like sackcloth. I'm not that dude, okay? Like don't come up here in sackcloth, all right? So, but I'm just saying, we have to start looking and surrendering to what God wants for us more than what we want for ourselves because God has a plan. And when we understand God's plan better, we can see him in the middle of our storm better. The first quote that I want to show you is by C.S. Lewis. You guys heard of The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, the Narnia tale? Anyone ever heard of that? If you haven't watched it, it's a great movie. There's also a book, but who has time for that, right? So um, just kidding, English teachers, stay calm. But this is a quote. When I first read this, I read this in uh, Tim Keller's book, um, um, Jesus the King. And when I first read it, it just wrecked me. Like, it, it wrecked me. I literally just closed the book. I was like, well, I'm done reading for today. You know, like, um, and it says, it's talking about Aslan, who Aslan is a representation of God in the story. Um, and so they're talking about Aslan here. And it said, Aslan is a lion. He's the lion, the great lion. Ooh, said Susan, I thought he was a man. Is he safe? The response was, who said anything about safe? Of course he isn't safe but he's good. He's the king, I tell you. And man, when I read that, that was like a, to my face at a very key moment in my life because oftentimes we think that because we love God and God loves us, that means we're not gonna have troubled waters. But I'm telling you right now, the plan of God isn't always safe. Like we're not exempt from trouble, the Bible says. 
As a matter of fact, Paul kind of goes out of his way to say, hey man, just because you get saved doesn't mean that like you're, you're gonna experience things too. But how good is it to know and be connected to the one that controls the problems that you're in, that he's in charge of, he's, he's under, he knows your circumstances, he's controlling your circumstances, and that's where God is. What an opportunity to know that he's a good king in our life. The second one is by Russ Ramsey from the Gospel Coalition. Again, one of those things that I read, and when I read it, I was just like, okay. It says, if my affliction, how many guys have been through some affliction in life where you had to use some faith, right? How many guys are going through some stuff where you, honestly, you're kind of doubting what God is doing. You don't necessarily see a way out yet. And you, I mean, go through, I, I thought this was amazing. If my affliction was a severe mercy to awaken in me my need of God, then it's a wise gift from a loving hand. Like what if God wants you to know him so badly that he would let you experience things that you would choose not to experience on your own so that he can know you the way he wants you to know him? I know that's not necessarily comforting, but then the last one, talking because it's about surrender. This is just one that I wrote, kind of sums up all of what I'm trying to explain to you today. You'll fight your faith until you're satisfied with surrender. And you gotta surrender. I, I was just explaining this. A lady came into our office this past week, hurting, broken, just in this place. Something was going on in her life and she was hysterical. And she had been through so much over the years. Uh, and she was just like, she had, she was undone. And I literally was like, whoa, 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 whoa. You know, like she was just, and I, you know, and I don't do that to every person. So if you come to me crying, don't think I'm gonna be like, stop crying. No, I, but with her, I just felt like the Holy Spirit was like telling me to tell her, stop crying. Like, stop, stop, whoa. And I just had her breathe a few times and I was like, you must have forgot what God has brought you out of. Like you must have forgot the steps of getting to here where God made a way and then he made a way and then he made a way and then he showed up and then he showed up and then he showed up. And I quoted her the same thing I'll tell some of you guys. It's just like the story of Job. When Job lost everything, and Job was like, what are you doing, God? Where are you at? And God literally told Job, where were you when I created the foundations of the world? Like, where were you when I spoke the sun, moon, and stars into place? And folks, we have got to come to a place of surrender where we just give it to God and know that he is going to take care of you. This last story, and then we'll close. I, I remember we were working on this building and for the first, the first like six weeks of working on the building, there was like 18 people here every day. It was awesome. We were getting so much work done. The last like four months of working on the building, no one was here. All right, it was me and Jeff like every day. And then like a few people, like we had Brandon a few times and Tommy, but man, like it was me and Jeff working 16 hour days for a lot of it. And um, I remember we were getting ready for the grand opening of the church. Like it was the, that first Sunday in December. And many of you were here for, like we were getting ready for that. And the bathroom partitions out in lobby one, out here there was a mix-up on the plans and they weren't ready yet and it's like four days before the like before the launch and um pastor is a, he's an amazing pastor he's a great leader one of the things that me and him kind of do this about is he's also a micromanager some of y'all know what I'm talking about. Like, <laughs> he's got to have his hands and everything, you know? And he likes to like quadruple check each day about where things are at in the process. And I like, I don't, I don't do well with people micromanaging me, which is funny because I'm also a micromanager. Um, but 
<laughs> so all of our staff is like, yes, they are. Both of them are terrible. Like, um, but uh, for some people, it's a good thing. For some people, it's a bad thing. But in this particular case, pastor would have come to me and obviously, you know, it's the grand opening of this new campus that we waited on for over a decade. Like God, so we were just like, but he was just every day, hey, what, what's going on with the bathrooms? What's going on with the bathrooms? What's going on with the bathrooms? And he came to me and then like that day, there was a day coming up. I think it was like the Friday before that Sunday or maybe the Thursday before that Sunday, he came up and he was in the building and he walked up to me and he was like, what is going on with the bathrooms? We have to have the bathrooms on. Like the bathrooms have to be on. We can't, or like, and, you know, like some of you experience like pastor when he gets on that tear where he's like, like, you know, and like, you know, don't hear words anymore. He's just like, this has to happen. It's got to happen. It's got to happen. And, um, or it happens in text message. Like, bum, 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 bum. So, um, and so uh, he comes up to me and he's like, the bathrooms have to be done. They have to be done. They just have. And finally, this is on like day, probably six or seven of me hearing this like four to 10 times a day. What's going on with the bathrooms? What's going on with the bathrooms? And finally, I just said, like, I, I think I got loud a little bit. And I was like, look at me, look at me. And he looked at me and was like, stop talking. <laughs> Don't, no one else can do this, right? I was like, stop talking. And he looked at me and I said, have I ever let you down? Like, have I ever let you down? And he stopped for a second and he thought, out of all the time together, out of all the ministry we've ever done, after every time that I've ever told you that I've got this, like, I will take care of it. Have I ever let you down? And he said, no. And I said, well, why do you think I would start now? And folks, some of us have trusted God through the hardest times of our life. And God is looking at you saying, look at me, look at me. Have I ever let you down? Out of everything we've been through, have I ever let you down? I've carried you. I've walked with you. I've been in the fire with you. I have gotten in your boat. I have called your storm. Have I ever let you down? Have I ever let you down? God loves you today, folks. All he wants is for you to surrender and trust and have faith that he will carry you through this. Let's pray. God, I just pray over every person that's in here, Lord. God, you have not let us down. You have never let us down. God, we may have gone through things in life that we felt should have been different, but that was our opinion, but you have never let us down. God, I just pray that the peace of the Holy Spirit, peace of God would just rest over every person that's in here that has been fighting their faith. God, they have going, they're going through doubt and they have been questioning you. God, I just pray supernatural peace over their life. You're in control and we love you. If you're in this place, Maybe you don't know God. Like maybe Jesus isn't in control of your life. Maybe 
you say, man, I know about God or I know I need, I, I, I just know that I need something different. I need more of God. I need God to control my life. And a matter of fact, I've never actually committed my heart to Jesus Christ, but today I want to be saved. If you're in this place right now and you say, I want to give my heart to Christ. I wanna be saved today. I'm not gonna to come to you. I'm not gonna point you out. I'm not gonna embarrass you. With all eyes closed and your heads bowed of today, if you're in this place, you wanna give your heart to Jesus Christ and you want to be saved without, without me embarrassing you at all, would you just raise your hand? I wanna be saved. God bless you. Hands already going up. God bless you. Once you put it up, you can put it down. Again, I'm not even gonna call you out. I just wanna know, are there any more in this place right now? You wanna give your heart to Jesus today. I wanna to be saved. We want to pray this prayer, folks. And this prayer doesn't make you saved, all right? Putting your faith in Jesus Christ is the only thing that can make you saved. This prayer won't, do, won't make you saved, but it is a public acknowledgement that we are putting our faith in Jesus Christ today. And so I want you to pray this prayer. Even if you're watching us on live stream, I want you to pray this prayer. And as the whole church is going to pray it with you, all right? And as we do this, we're going to give, see some people give their hearts to the Lord today. So church all across the congregation pray this prayer with me say dear Jesus forgive me forgive me of my sins forgive me of my wrongs make me clean make me pure make me whole I believe that you died on the cross and that you rose three days later and through your death and through your life I can be saved thank you for paying the price for me I want to follow you the rest of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Church, put your hands together for those, all those that prayed that perhaps the very first time.